Hey friend, get ready to listen in on some long-form conversations and authentic stories with people who have decided to turn their mess into their mission and their past into their purpose. We'll talk on topics like faith, family, and entrepreneurship. Here we go. Hey guys, it's Brittany Jones and welcome to another episode of the All My Favorite People podcast. This morning I have with me Fire Chief Stephen Davis. Hey Stephen, how are you? Good, Brittany. How are you today? I'm great. Thanks so much for giving me some of your time this morning. I really appreciate it. Um, I know you're a busy guy. So we're going to jump right in like we always do here at the podcast. And I'm going to have you start off by sharing just a little bit about you, yourself, and your beautiful family, which I got to meet your gorgeous wife the other night. Um, So tell us a little bit about you and your family. So I am a Florida resident. I was born in uh, a city of Orlando here in Florida. I'm a, I'm a native. Um, I grew up on the east side of town and went, went away to the army uh, at 18. Uh, spent four years doing that. And I, while I was in Germany uh, working as an infantry medic, I met my wife. I was actually had gotten transferred over to teach paramedic school, but uh, I ended up meeting my wife at the, uh, the uh, her hometown in Germany. And then we dated for a long time. We ended up going to, um, I ended up moving out to California. I was a flight medic out there, got out of the army, came, came back here to Florida where I started working on my goal as being to be a firefighter. Um, I started out with an ambulance company and I worked my way from an ambulance company over to the fire service. And then I've been in the fire service ever since. And that was about 2007. So I've been married. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I heard Germany is beautiful. <laughs> it is. It is. It's a beautiful country. I would, uh, when everything starts to settle down, I would suggest everybody, you know, uh, encourage people to go over there. But it is a beautiful country. Uh, I haven't been in two, I haven't been in two years. We, we, we like to go once a year um, and visit her family, but we just haven't had the opportunity just based on everything going on the last couple of years. So. Sure. Yeah. So. I know that was brief, but that um, kind of leads us right into where you landed in this whole crazy situation that's been going on over the last two years. Um, sure. So as the fire rescue battalion chief here in Orange County, um, we saw some things kind of come down the line through our mayor um, over the last year where he was mandating that you and your team um, and really, I think it was all county employees be mandated to take the vaccines. Um, tell us a little bit about kind of the backstory and how you ended up kind of becoming this uh, public figure, if you will, for standing up for your team. Well, it, it, I basically have started the story uh, recently with back in 2020, we were we were at this pandemic and this is when it first hit our, our, um, our country. I can tell you, I was probably January, my wife and the boys, I've got two boys. We had gotten back in 2020, January, uh, from, uh, Germany visiting her family. And the wife was showing me some of the videos that we've probably all seen the videos where people were falling out in lines, standing in front of the hospitals and, uh, over in uh, what appeared to be China, um, and we saw all those movies. And it, it, I kind of I look back at it now and I laugh because you know I told my wife at that moment this was January late late January early February is I was like I don't know the United States you know we're not I'm not worried about that you know America is a free country and you know we won't have to worry about these type of you know these these biological weapons or, and, and, and a disease or a virus like that coming to to our shores. Uh, boy, was I wrong. Because that, that's where the story really starts is um, we were faced with uh, just this new virus that no one had ever seen. And we didn't know what was going on. We didn't know um, how to handle it. The fire service, this was very nuanced for all of us. We, we were going to people's homes and we were, we were the, the men and women that went into people's homes and uh, without hesitation, uh, picked them up, took them to the hospitals. We the fires and uh it was it started to kind of escalate where hey you got to wear this ppe you got to wear a mask all the time uh, you can't go into certain certain uh, businesses 
nothing made sense. But you know, that's what we we all we all just didn't know what to do, and we were all real concerned about taking this home to our families. You know, I with two young boys and a wife. You know, and you know, what do we do from there? So, uh, those were the concerns that I saw back into 2020. It's like guys were getting exposed, and I know I was at the fire station with the first with the first case of COVID um, at my fire station. And, you know, we're, we're an apartment of over 1200 men and women that serve the Orange County community. And my fire service, our fire station was the very first one to, to be exposed to the first, first person. And so a lot of my guys at the station were like, what do I do? Do I go home to my wife? Do I, do I go to a hotel? Do I, is the department going to put us up somewhere? Uh, what do we do? You know, there, it was, we were really, really scared. Um, and I think a lot of people around the world are really scared. And, and even to this day, there's a lot of people that are still pretty scared about it. Um, knowing what we know now, I'm not, I'm not scared at all about it. But um, I can tell you that there's, there's still a lot of people out there. But it, we, we fast forward a year. And those are the concerns that we've had, you know, and, and, and all the stresses that, that came that year, you know, not being able to see your family. My wife and I, we haven't seen her family in two years now. Uh, and there's other people that that have lost loved ones that weren't able to say goodbye to, that weren't able to be in the hospital or or travel because of airlines being shut down or you know just different type of access issues around the world. You know that's the stressors that were just adding on to all of us all around the community. And I was seeing that firsthand in the fire service. Um, so that's where the story really starts. It was in July when we started to learn that. We had a vaccine uh, this this year that came out, and you know, it first started out as, "Hey, here's a vaccine. If if you want it, this is an option for you to kind of prevent um, the possibility of getting, you know, the virus." But uh, we've learned that that's not the case. That it, it, the the vaccine doesn't really prevent you from getting exposure to this virus. It doesn't prevent you from really anything, in my opinion. However. You know, come July, we, we looked at it and we said, okay, um, if you don't get it, then you're, you're going to get it. And if you don't get it, we're going to mandate, uh, we're going to, you're going to lose your job. And so the mayor of Orange County had come out and said that in a public, um, public briefing. And he said, as of today, I'm, I'm putting an emergency on it, I'm paraphrasing what he said, but, you know, as of today, I believe the date was July, July 28th. Um, and it might have been June 28th, June 28th. And he said, up, up at, this, at this day, if you don't have, I'm putting an emergency, um, a local emergency state, a local emergency. And if you don't have all Orange County employees will be required to have the vaccination by, uh, I believe it was October, the August the 1st, and then September the 1st, which was you had to have all of it done. August the 1st was the first shot uh, in the series of two shots. Uh, September the 1st, it was, you had to have everything, you had to be fully vaccinated. So um, he ended up saying, if you didn't have the shot, then you were going to be, you're going to be terminated. And was the message. And so from that moment is when concerns escalated even greater. So I had roughly 60 personnel in my battalion alone. That doesn't, that doesn't take into account the men and women on the other shifts. And when I did overtime, I would still drive to those fire stations. I would still speak with these individuals, uh, men and women, and each have had concerns. Uh, these concerns were, is this vaccination really going to protect me? Is this going to really, is it, does this have the potential to harm me? Is the department going to take on the responsibility if I do um, have some sort of long-term disability? Um, or is the department going to take care of me if, um, if this affects you know, the ability to have children later on. Uh, there was a lot of concerns, um, but none of these concerns were being addressed. I, I was like, I don't know. I don't have these answers. Many times I had brought this to my leadership with no, with no answer. And that's, that was a concern. So we went on. I can tell you that of all those concerns that people had, another big one is people went and got the vaccination and they only went and got it is because they didn't want to lose their job. Uh, there was guys that said, yeah, I don't want to get this thing, but I can't lose my job. This is the job I've been wanting to do as a, as a young person, you know, whether a young boy or young girl, 
I, I know myself, I didn't want to get the vaccination. And I've been wanting to be a fireman since I was a young kid, you know, 14 years old. And so to know that everything that I've worked for up until this day would just be ultimately taken away was, was deeply concerning for myself. You know, how do I take care of my family? This is the only thing that I've, I've known. This is the, the thing that I've put all my focus in as far as my education and training for the last um, over, you know, decade and a half and actually two decades because, you know, I've been working as a paramedic since, you know, 2001. So I, those are the, those are the concerns that we had. And so people were going to get vaccinated only for the reason to save their job. And shortly after that happened, the mayor said, Oh, you know, I, I was just, I never meant for anybody to get terminated. So it's like, well, why did you say it? And you didn't say it once. You said it several times. So why, why did you implement that? So now it was reduced from a termination to a written reprimand. So uh, nothing wrong with discipline. I don't have any issue with issuing discipline. The problem that I saw with this one, one of the many things I saw with this particular discipline is how does it correct the action? The action was for the mayor is, is go on this website. Uh, it was uh, only accessible through a county intranet. So you couldn't do it from home. If people were on vacation, uh, they couldn't access it. They had to go to the fire station. Um, if you were out long-term sick, long-term vacation, you couldn't access it. So these were these were variables that we no one considered. Um, but you had to access this website, and you had to basically said if, if you're vaccinated, you click the I'm vaccinated. You know, I'm, I don't know exactly how it looks like now, but it was a button. You push the button, and it basically just said. I'm confirming that I've been vaccinated. And if you had to provide your vaccination card, you would do so at a later date. It wasn't asking for it at that moment. It was just saying, um, almost like an affidavit saying, hey, I'm confirming that I've been vaccinated at this point. I've received shot one and I received shot two um, in the series. So that was the only thing that did. Now, the other option was you go to a link and the link had applying for a medical exemption or a religious exemption. So a lot of people did that as well. So those were the three options. There wasn't an option to say, I, I don't want this. There wasn't an option to say, uh, I want to get, I'll get it at a later date. It was just an option, click the button or go to the links. So I ended up coming in on October the 5th. Uh, the mandate had went into effect October the 1st. Our union had, um, and the county had, signed a document, uh, an MOU, basically saying and it, uh, for the impact bargaining on September the 30th, on the afternoon of September the 30th. So it didn't go into effect because we were in, a, in a, a, an agreement with the county over the language, how the language would say on the written reprimands, uh, do we agree with this? Would everybody get vaccinated? Do we have the option? There's, there's a lot of different information in the MOU. Uh, and that's a memorandum of understanding between the unions and the, uh, the county bargaining or the, the county uh, government. So we ended up having that signed on the 30th. October 1st, it went into effect. Now, the mayor had said in a public meeting that he wanted everybody written up by October 7th. The problem with that is with firefighters, we work every third day. So um, there was a push and a pressure for leadership to get these reprimands out as quickly as possible. Problem was, is there's a lot of people that submitted their exemptions and submitted those that, that button that I was talking about on the 30th. And regardless of, of when they did it, they complied. It was said on the 30th, you have to. So they complied. So what I found out now, I had, I was scheduled to work on October 2nd. I had taken the day off. Um, I coach soccer for both my kids and uh, their teams. So I had taken the day off so I could you know, be there to coach the kids on the weekend. And during that weekend, there was lots of conversations surrounding uh, these issues, uh, how we were going to issue reprimands, how, how um, the lists were going to be handled. Um, there was a lot of conversation. Now, I was not in those conversations. I was not, I was not in to work till the 5th of October. And when I came in on the 5th, that's when I realized I had actually known about a lot of things that happened on the 4th because I have uh, battalion chiefs that I had spoken to who had small concerns. I had uh, 
um, firefighters and engineers and tenants that I had personal conversations with that had concerns, told me that they had religious exemptions, told me they were vaccinated, told me they had medical exemptions, and they were getting written reprimands. And these are things that I had seen already, already. I come in on the 5th and we had a meeting that, that afternoon and we, it was a brief discussion. It was just, hey, we're going to, these are the reprimands. It was a template and you could see the language down the bottom violated the MOU. Um, not to mention all the other things that I, I had believed to be unlawful. And when I said that things were unlawful, I had mentioned this to my supervisor. I said, listen, these are, these are unlawful orders. What you're telling me to do is issue a reprimand to somebody who's been vaccinated, to somebody who has a religious exemption, to somebody who has a medical exemption. And what I want to know is if this list has been confirmed and is, is accurate. And it wasn't. The list wasn't accurate. And I knew that to be inaccurate. Um, and, I, and I requested that in an email. I said, can we get confirmation? Because I have two guys right now telling me they're vaccinated. And you're saying that I need to write them up. And they've been vaccinated. They complied with the directive. So there's a series of emails that have come out since my, I was relieved of duty that evening because I was, I was given a direct order. Hey, you will give this reprimand today. If you do not comply, then we're going to relieve duty. Well, I understood the, the, the ramifications that were going to happen. Consequence. You know, I believe that'd be suspended uh, after all this was you know, figured out, but I never, never thought I would be terminated for such, um, such a minute. I mean, yes, I didn't follow the direct order, but if you look at the direct order, it was an unlawful order, you know, to it, it there's policies that Orange County has in place where it says, here's what an unlawful order is. There's a policy in place. And it says uh, right underneath that, it gives you the direction on how to disobey what you believe an unlawful order is. Funny thing is, is I, I followed that policy and my leadership did not. They actually uh, did not follow that policy. And they, they went ahead and jumped to another directive saying, hey, listen, you need to do this anyways. I mean, this wasn't a this wasn't a uh, an emergency scene. This wasn't a fire, a house fire or something, or say, "Hey, I need you to go knock down that door and take uh, knock the fire down" or something. This was this was in an office, very very relaxed. I was very professional. Very, you know, I had all the documentation sitting on the table. Hey, this is why I believe this is unlawful. I want you to look at this, and I believe that this list is incorrect. I want you to confirm that it's in, that it's correct. And these were totally ignored completely ignored by my leadership and uh, they never once confirmed it uh, that e that day or that evening when I was addressing it. And I had addressed it several times to them in email and phone conversation in a face-to-face -face meeting that never addressed it. Hmm. Close friend of mine was in that meeting that night. He ended up um, taking all this information and the exact same thing happened. He's also the night chief. The same thing happened to him. Difference with it with him is he had the ability to talk to human resources, and human resources had said, "Do not issue out any of these reprimands." Um, that ended up getting fast, you know, sent up the chain of command. I had already been relieved of duty, and miraculously, that afternoon, every reprimand that had been issued over the last three days was now suddenly uh, either disappeared, uh, destroyed removed or retracted in some manner okay so these are uh, these are government documents that have that, you know fall into one of those categories and we're finding all this out right now um wow. so so these are things that we're looking at right now but wow. he ended up he ended up explaining exactly what i explained the day before and hr said absolutely not do not issue this discipline and all the discipline had been removed and and, and we fast forward several months now now there's evidence where they are removing all of it. They, the, the individuals that receive reprimands wrongfully have all had it removed, taken out of their file, um, and it's all been changed. So, wow. and you were and in that time frame, I've been terminated. It sounds to me like really at the end of the day, you were just asking for clarification. You were just asking to make sure that if you were going to follow what you felt like was an unlawful order to begin with. That at least you were putting that on the correct people and not, you know, muddying these people's long earned careers, you know? Sure. 
But, and, and that's the thing too. It's like, why, why would I issue discipline if it's not warranted? You know, why would I give someone um, a reprimand if they don't deserve it? That doesn't make sense. I don't have a problem with doing it. I just want to make sure that it's done the right way. And, and there's history with, with um, the department, with Orange County, where, where they've issued things um, too, too quickly in haste and they hadn't done things the right way. And that's exactly what, and I knew this being in, in my position, I knew that things were always done too quickly without, you know, the level of, you know, confidence that should, should be applied uh, to these situations. And people were just like, just issue the discipline, we'll figure it out later. And that's what was told to me uh, that day. And I said, you can't just issue discipline arbitrarily without a reason. And we're just going to issue discipline just to have, have this removed later on. That doesn't make sense. So all I was asking for, like you said, is just clarification. And I wasn't getting it. I was just told to do it. Yeah. And it sounds like really the idea of doing it and then, oh, well, maybe we'll retract it later is based on like fear mongering, really, like really trying to hold their jobs over their heads and say, well, we have the power to reprimand you, even if it's not lawful. <laughs> sure. Sure. Wow. Yeah, no, and that's that's exactly what was happening. You know, the, the mayor had, had what I believe may have would have happened is he he knew um he knew that there was over 400, 500 firefighters that were why it was coming to the day where they were supposed to have this this, this button with link uh, link clicked, and there was over 500 of us that had not done it. And I believe that the mayor had had this information, and that's why he pulled it back. He said, "You know what? I can't fire 500 um, firefighters." I mean, uh, you see that happen, and you've seen this happen in other states. If if and I had this discussion with some of the guys. Station. We were at the dinner table and we were kind of joking about it. And I said, um, the station that I was assigned to is uh, the busiest station in the department. It's also the, one of the busiest in the nation. And I said, just think about it for right now. We, we have 12, 13 guys at this station. I said, if half of us are no longer here because of this vaccination, because we've been terminated, think about it. We're not going to be able to house enough people um, at each station. We may have to shut a fire station down. I said, well, let's just think of this station has to respond to the station north of us that's about four miles north of the one that's east of us about four miles. How are we going? Our call volume is going to go way up. I said, you guys, I said, you guys may laugh. I said, but you guys are going to be very busy. I said, the next, the next thing that's going to happen is all your vacation is going to be canceled. You won't be able to take vacation because there's not going to have, we're not going to have enough people to staff the trucks or the stations. I said, this is all. I don't want to say it's all in design, but I mean, this, this has the potential to really um, take out an entire community, a uh, community of first responders. So, and then yeah. now, no, that never happened, but that, that had the potential had 500 firefighters been determined. Absolutely. Yeah. And then the ramifications of that on the actual community, like now yeah. your emergency situation. Delayed response. Yes. Very scary. You know, people, People who were uh, present in Central Florida during Hurricane Charlie, uh, they may not under, understand or remember or, or know this, but Hurricane Charlie created a lot of damage um, to Central Florida. During that time, um, the department ended up having delayed responses because the, there was just so much work to be done, you know, trying to clean up the community, uh, trying to respond to people's fires, uh, house, those house fires, there was there was people trapped. There was um, the continued medical calls that came in. And, and these were things that, you know, we were as a department handling, but it, we had a we had a delay. We had to prioritize some of the 911 calls during that time. So because um, we were just so um, spread thin during that time. So, I mean, looking back at that, if we have an emergency disaster, uh, a natural disaster, some other type of you know, disaster in the community, it really taxes uh, the first responders and it taxes the community, but uh, it delays some of the, those, those The All My Favorite People podcast is proudly sponsored by Peace Love T-shirts. Go to peacelovetshirt.com to see the entire All My Favorite People collection of shirts, hats, and bags. While you're there, check out the other collections from our collaborators like Healing and Hope, the controversy and ink happy 
Go to peacelovetshirt.com and use code FAVORITE for $5 off your first order. Daily sponsors. Yeah. Now, I actually ended up at one of the commissioner meetings, but I know you guys were going for like months, really, and speaking to Mayor Demings and the, the commission. Um, all of the the speeches that I heard in regards to that were so powerful. So I know that they're all online. If, if you guys need a little like encouragement as you're going through whatever you're going through in your town or, or in your life right now in regards to these vaccine mandates, I would say give those a listen because you had Dr. Stillwagon and uh, I believe you spoke to you and Lou, was it Lou? Um, a Lou bunch Bobby. of, yeah. So, I mean, and Justin, um, a lot of people showed up for you guys and really like kind of held Mayor Demings to the fire a little bit on this, this, the reality of this mandate really coming to fruition. So I know that thankfully um, it has ended. Uh, there is not a mandate now here in Orange County, but there were still some ramifications to that. Like you said, there were guys who got and gals who got the jab who didn't want it. Um, what has the department, or I'm not sure if you know, cause I know that you're not there anymore, but is, are there things in place for these, uh, firefighters who have gotten the job? Have they said that they will, um, you know, take care of them if they have adverse reactions or do you know any of that, that is anything come behind that? No, there, there is no, there is no, um, there is no liability right now with the department. So there's no responsibility. They're not responsible for any of this. They, they essentially told us do it or you're going to get terminated, do it, or you're going to get reprimanded. But if you do it and you get sick, you, you know, you're not going to, we're not going to cover that. You know, we're not going to cover to take care of your family. If you were to suddenly die or, or to have a, a debilitating uh, um, a disability or, you know, some sort of debilitating uh, disease or something, you know, where you, now you have um, seizures that you've never had before, or um, you're not able to walk, or or whatever the case is. You know, um, uh, they weren't they weren't going to cover that, and, and and that information's out there. You know, where there's reports of people getting sick shortly after receiving one of the vaccination shots, and I think it's I think it's um, I've been giving medicine since you know 2001, you know, emergency medicine, but you know. I, I see that there is a need for it, you know, and, uh, but I think that, so I'm not against that. I think that it's just another tool in the tool bag is something that we've referred to it in the fire service, another tool in the tool bag, you know, is, um, get the vaccine if you think it's appropriate for you. If you've spoken to your doctor, I mean, there's, uh, I, I'm just finding, I'm reading, doing a lot more reading and I'm just learning about how this vaccination has certain um, makeup, it has a certain makeup that can affect certain blood types, um, and, or other, other things, uh, if you have certain, certain, um, DNA, and I can't explain it intelligently because I, I haven't done enough reading on it, but I'm, I'm starting to learn these things. But, um, I think that that's where a physician comes into play. You, you go and speak to your, your, your physician, that you trust and and they're not arbitrarily just saying, oh, yeah, just get it, because that happens, too. You know, they haven't done their due diligence to to, um, to do the research, but there are physicians out there that have done the research. And that's what I think that, you know, we should we should hold them accountable, too. It's like, look, you're, you've gone to school for this. You're my you're my physician. You're supposed to know me. You're supposed to know what's good and what's not when I ask these questions. And if you don't, you know, let's let's look into it. You know, let's let's. Let's take this journey together. I think that's the idea of having a, a personal physician, a family physician. And um, yeah, there's, there's, I think it's just another tool in a tool bag. There's other alternative medications out there that, that could prevent or um, help you um, get through this. You know, I think one thing that we're not talking about during this whole pandemic is staying healthy, eating right, um, exercising. Some of the first things they closed were gyms. Why? Um, people typically stay to themselves at a gym. Um, I mean, they get a workout in and they go home. Um, those are things we need. You know, being around, being social, that, that's actually a very positive thing in people's lives. We are social creatures. 
you know, to, to lock us all into a house and isolate. That's, that's not good for anyone either. Um, you know, eating right. I mean, we're, we're not allowing um, people, we're, we're saying, hey, let's go get three, you know, and, and don't get me wrong. I love a, a real big cheeseburger, you know, and I, you know, I used to drink a lot of soda. I don't drink any soda anymore, but, you know, um, I, I get it. I totally understand it. You know, getting a, you know, um, a soda or, you know, some fries at the local, you know, um, fast food restaurant. I get it. Um, but that's what we were promoting. We weren't promoting eating healthy. We were promoting uh, taking taking vitamins. We weren't promoting exercise. We weren't promoting, you know, um, having those social those social networks outside of, you know, uh, social media, but having, you know, in your community, let's let's get get together with the neighbors or getting close with close friends. You know, we were saying, oh, isolate, you know, we can go to McDonald's, we can go to Taco Bell or, you know, and get me wrong. I like all those things, but at the same time, it's not choice. Yeah. Those things we aren't talking about. I totally agree. And we're still not talking about them as a country. And here we are two, almost two years later, which is crazy. Um, I say it almost daily. I'm like, if they really cared about our health, McDonald's would be shut down, like period, you know? Um, but that's obviously not what it's about. Would you say that prior to all of this, like how much were you in the medical freedom or vaccines? Like how much of this was even on your radar? You know, I've never, I can tell you that I've never been um, opposed to any of the vaccination. I've, I've had my vaccination shots all through my life, you know, joining the military, you're forced to in that sense. Uh, but being 18, you know, you don't think nothing about it. I don't think you had so much um, surrounding it during that time. I went, you know, uh, over sure. 20 years ago. It wasn't political um, before now. It really. wasn't, you right. know, you just showed up and, you know, you get shot real quick and that was pretty much it. Um, my kids, you know, it's, it's forced on to the kids, you know, attend school, you know, and, um, I can tell you when my oldest was born, he's seven. Um, it was concerning in the sense that, uh, I went to the pediatrician and the pediatrician was like, Hey, and I might be elaborate, uh, uh, embellishing a little bit. Um, but he wanted to give my son like six or seven shots all the same day. And I might, I might be embellishing a little bit. I don't know the exact figure, but it seemed like way too many at the time. And as a new dad, I'm having, you know, all these medications, uh, just shoved into my son all at once. I mean, the kid is only this big and you want to put all that stuff. I have, I have no idea what any of that is. Uh, I've heard stories, um, but I've never really believed them, but I've heard stories that it causes certain things, causes certain uh, disabilities by just giving all this vaccination to all at once. Um, but I wasn't educated on it, you know, and as a, as a new father, a young, young boy, those were concerning. So when the, when the doctor said, Hey, we're going to give all these drugs uh, to your, to your newborn. I was like, wait a minute, hold on one second. I said, we'll give one today and we'll come back in a few weeks and we'll get another, you know, I, Thankfully, and I don't know if anything will happen, but thankfully, my wife and I stood that ground seven years ago and said, this doesn't sound right. You know, and there's so many families that are out there that go ahead and say they trust the doctor, you know, and I, and I don't want to take nothing away from him, but it didn't sound right to me yeah. at the time. I mean, we ended up getting a new pediatrician, um, but, but those are the things. Now we fast forward to 2021, I question everything now. And it makes me question just because of the last 12 months, you know, how they're, how, how we've really put so much focus on, you'll get this shot, you'll get this shot. Oh, we'll give you a hundred dollars. We'll give you a free day off. We're, you know, trying to entice people by giving them a, a you know, a hundred dollars in their paycheck. Okay. You give me a hundred dollars. I'll blow that in one weekend with the family out at dinner. What happens when one of us gets sick and we're no longer here? Can you, will you be able to supplement, you know, my annual salary? No, you can't. So that hundred dollars, I mean, people are so easily influenced by, you know, uh, a few hundred dollars or a day off, you know, that to me is just not, it, it's fishy. It is very fishy. I don't know if yeah. you see my shirt, make vaccine manufacturers liable again. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, I agree with you. And, and my son, uh, Stephen, I know you and I don't know each other super well, but my son is vaccine injured. And that's kind of how I got I involved in this community is because, wow. you know, I trusted, I trusted our doctors and 
I have three boys. It's my youngest son. We had vaccinated all through, you know, with my older two and, um, and we reaped the very unfortunate side effects, um, of his MMR vaccine. And I, like you had that, that internal, just parental red flag kind of come up. And, you know, obviously I wish that I had listened to it. And I'm so thankful that you and your family, you know, felt that and and made that choice to delay. Um, but I'm right there with you. I never saw a problem with them until it happened to us. And then it became my life's mission really to make sure Sure, uh, sure. other people don't fall into the same kind of trap, if you will. So my two more questions, and then we'll kind of call it for today, but I'm curious um, what have you learned through this process or what has God been teaching you? What have you like, what's kind of come to light for you over the last several months since you've been kind of thrust into this position? Well, I can tell you he does great, great things because, um, what people, I talked about the stresses, um, recently and what something that we haven't talked about is something that's being more, um, it's more prevalent in the fire service. It's, it's been recognized um, in military for, for decades, you know, uh, post-traumatic stress. And, and that's because you have individuals, young guys who are seeing their closest friends or brothers uh, being, um, you know, killed in action. And they come back with you know, all kinds of post-traumatic stress. I can tell you that Orange County Fire Rescue has lost four uh, this year um, to um some sort of suicide to suicide to um, um, earlier this year, we've lost four in our department. And my concern is why is this happening? Is it the additional stress that we've been going through this last, this last year? Um, I can tell you that that is to four, have four people in one department take their life. Um, something that needs to be addressed there, fire service. Uh, and the fire service in general, but, um, but why, I'm, why I preface this with, uh, with that is after being terminated, that just creates another stressor, you know, and what do I do about financial, you know, my finances? How do I support my family? What do I do for work? Is this something, is this going to affect me getting a job later on, you know, having termination um, on, on my, my personnel file? You know, is that going to affect me? You know, these are things that you don't know. You know, something that we've learned uh, real recently is just um, kids got to have, you know, dental work. They've got to have stuff. They got to get their eyes checked. Uh, what happens if they get sick? I've always had medical um, uh, benefits, uh, either through the military, through the ambulance company I work through, or, or through the fire service. And so now all of a sudden I don't. And so those are extra stressors that uh, entered my life unexpectedly. And I can tell you that this is why I said God is good is because he has opened so many doors. Um, he's put a lot of really good people in, in, in my life over the last several months. Um, he's shown me that my leadership uh, pays off because uh, it's my style of leadership has, has really, um, has really uh, resonated with the people that I, I, you know, that I led. Because they all came out and said, look, we're going to support Steve Davis, Chief Davis. We're going to support him. They put together, um, you know, um, a gifts and go, a GoFundMe to kind of assist uh, through the holidays. And I can't tell you that that right there has eliminated the the additional stressors uh, that I would have taken on had had um, had I not had it. I would have had all that stuff. You know, who, who knows? You know, the things that I've seen. And that's why I preface it with 20, 21 years in the, in the uh, first response, you know, things that I've seen, how could that have affected my life? How could that have affected me with my wife? How could that have affected me with my children? You know, had that additional stressor put me over the edge, you know, and I can tell you that that support system, God put that support system right there for me. He's open. He's, he may have closed the door for something. You know, Orange County Fire, but he's opened so many other opportunities for me, um, and it's just amazing. Um, I don't know where I'll be in a few years. I do know where I'm going to be uh, in the next um, few years, but I don't know what 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 happened after. You know, my my um 
my new position that I just accepted. Um, I'm I'm excited for what I have there, and I don't know what's going to open up for later on. So I mean, he's he's been real good. I've learned a lot about that. So that's awesome. I know for me, like standing up and being more bold this last year has been equal parts scary and incredibly rewarding. Um, oh yeah. Cause you do, you have people who jump out of the woodwork who just say, thank you. And I don't feel like I'm, I've done anything in particularly awesome, but I look to people like you, Steven, who really put it all on the line and said, I'm going to do what's right, no matter what. And I'm thankful that there are people like you because, and I'm sure the vast majority of your, your team and, and the guys down at Orange County Fire Rescue are also thankful for you because had you not done that, um, we wouldn't have had eyes on this situation. We wouldn't have had all that people coming out of the woodwork and supporting not only you, but, but everyone else that, um, was standing for medical freedom. So I just want to say thank you for doing that. Um, it, it is totally an inspiration and, and I know that us as the medical freedom community, we're more than happy to come alongside of you and just support you and, and everything that you are trying to stand for. So thank you for that. Sure. There's some things, you know, I, I, um, I started recently doing a lot of reading. I, I, I read quite a bit, but I mean, I, I, I started reading and um, uh, something that I didn't ever know about called the Milgram, Milgram experiment. I don't know if you're familiar with the Milgram experiment. It happened in 1960, 1961. It was shortly after uh, World War II and, and the Nazi trials and stuff like that. But essentially what it is is a um, psychiatrist had, had taken volunteers to see how far they would go with issuing uh, we'll call it discipline, uh, issuing discipline to correct uh, a bad behavior. And it got to, I think it was 40 volunteers who had issued discipline. And, and when I say discipline, it was an electric shock. And it, they never delivered an actual electric shock, but the volunteers didn't know that. But they, there was, uh, of, the 40, of the 40 of them, all of them reached a level of uh, giving someone a harmful shock. And there was probably like 10 or 15 who actually killed, you know, they didn't actually kill somebody, but actually took it to the level where it would have uh, killed the person they were delivering the discipline to. And this is his experiment was kind of explaining this. And um, you see the Nazi German uh, Nazis uh, back in World War II, um, they were influenced by their leaders. They were influenced and not by, hey, they were just, hey, you need to do this. and it's often said that we had no choice. They were just following orders. And that's exactly what was happening in my department is, is people were just following orders. They weren't, they weren't looking at them. It's because they weren't seeing what was happening. They weren't seeing that um, people were nervous about their, their jobs. They were nervous about this vaccination. I can tell you that people called me personally to call out sick. And they said, hey, chief, I just got the second shot. I just got the first shot. I've developed a rash. I've developed you know, a fever. I've developed some sort of what we had talked about earlier as a vaccination injury. Um, but they had developed these things. And these were things that I was hearing. Other PCs were hearing. But what we were doing is just following orders. And that's where we have to stop. Is we have to question these things. And that's, that's where I feel that I, that I took that stance is I, I questioned those things. Because we had senior officials that aren't held accountable. They were just do it, you know. And that's kind of why I talked about the, uh, the Milgram experiment is that this is a direct um, relation uh, to what we're seeing today, what was happening back in the 1940s. Um, and then, you know, many physicians, many psychiatrists have, have done these experiments, recreated this experiment. And this is something that I would encourage people to start, start looking at. If you don't want to read about it, there's, there's plenty of YouTube videos out there that, that talk about it in depth and then some, you know, quick four or five minute videos, but um, it, it just something to kind of, you know, think about day, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I keep seeing, uh, like a meme or something float around that says, if you wonder how Nazi Germany essentially got to where it was like, look at today, this is what's happening. You have people who are just blindly complying or like you said, just right. go following what their orders or following the rules. And sure. you know, my thing that I keep saying is you're so focused on the science. You guys have forgotten your history books. So right. don't forget your history books. That's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> like, you you look you look at Australia right now. I mean, see what's going on in Australia. It's not being it's not being publicized. 
But I can tell you during this, I had a podcast and uh, one of the guys that I spoke with, um, his his podcast went international and uh, a couple guys from Australia called me on my cell phone and they said, hey, uh, you know, I just want to know your story. It was this was several weeks ago. So now um, a retired battalion chief and I, we, we um, post a, um, a meeting, like a Zoom call, uh, and we have uh, we had 150 uh, Australians on the phone um, a couple of weeks ago. But we, we have these conversations once a week or once now we've moved it every two weeks. But um, we have these, these, these conversations with them because we just want to encourage them state of Florida, we're very, um, very fortunate to have a governor, uh, DeSantis, um, but other states are not as fortunate. And we could see this, what's going on in Australia, what's happening in uh, some of the other countries. Germany right now is completely on lockdown. If you're unvaccinated, you can't even use the local um, um, transportation, public transportation. Uh, people aren't able to go to the grocery store, go out to movies, get a drink or anything like that. It's insane, you know, and uh, this is happening all over the world, and we have to get this message across uh, to the to the masses. So once a week, uh, this retired battalion, Sam Sam Eaton and I, we host um, a meeting, and we've it, it started out with four of us: two Australians and two uh, Floridians, and now all firefighters. And then now we've got people from Germany, Belgium, France, Italy. We've got people from Sweden and Switzerland. We have people from Canada. Um, all, all in the um, first responders uh, community, and we're trying to reach more. I just talked to a Canadian yesterday, and you know he's gone going through a lot of things up there. He's vaccinated, but he only got vaccinated because he didn't want to lose his job. He said he's lost a couple of his um, colleagues have lost their jobs because they they stood and said, "I'm not going to do it." So this is something across the country, across the world that's happening. And we have to get the message across. Yeah. We have to have people that are finally going to say, I'm not going to do this. You can't make me. If you're going to take my job away, so be it. Find another thing. But we have to start standing up to these tyrannical governments. Uh, we have to start standing up. And you're seeing that here in the state of Florida. I think Florida is, our, is the pioneer for this. And I think that this is where, you know, this is where you know, we've got a lot of strong Americans here in the state of Florida. And I think that this is going to start spreading even farther across the nation. And we're going to start taking back our country in this, this realm. I hope so. I am praying for that for sure, because, um, and I also feel very fortunate to be in Florida right now. Thank you for doing that call too, because like, I'm sitting here just grinning as you're saying that because you're one very bold and defiant act of disobedience, which in, in reality was you're obeying, you know, you're staying true to who you are and you're, you're not faltering to these, like you said, tyrannical leaders um, that one step of boldness just created this huge domino effect now that now you have this influence oh, throughout yeah. the world that is incredible. Oh, yeah. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's, <laughs> it's, it's people like yourself that are giving me the opportunity to be on your podcast. You know, this is how we get the message across. Um, millions of millions of people don't listen to the, what the mainstream media has. I mean, that does have a lot of influence, but our influence are coming from shows like yourself, shows that are that are getting this message across. And, and and I personally don't have a platform, but this is how I'm able to get you know my talking points and encourage others. You know, um, it, it, I can tell you that more and more firemen in Orange County, more and more firemen around the state have have started to get that boldness, that courage to stand up against these uh, these unlawful orders. These this. It's just um, tyranny that's just spreading like a cancer through our communities. And it's going to stop. I know it will. Um, it's, it just takes one or two of us to stand up. That's what we've started seeing from the beginning. You know, I'm, no, I'm, I'm not the first person to do it. I've gotten my, my motivation and my inspiration from others that I've, I've come across. And I think that that's, that right there has helped me make the decisions where I'm at here today. And I only hope to be that for somebody else and maybe a larger, a larger mass of people. So. That's awesome. Well, thanks again for your time today, Stephen. If um, we have firefighters that are listening and they want to jump on that Zoom, uh, is that something that we can link to? Uh, right now, they can link to me at, at, on Telegram. Uh, that's how I do. That's how I do most of my communication is through Telegram. Um, uh, Operation Freedom of Choice uh, org is a organization that I'm affiliated with, and this is this is um, we, we first started out as just firefighters. And now we're reaching out to more uh, first responders, nurses, 
uh, police officers, you know, uh, military. Uh, we're, that's really our, our base. Um, but that doesn't that doesn't um, prevent anybody else from reaching out, and we can always you know expand it. And that's what we want to do. Uh, something like we we met the other night at the um, Florida Freedom Keepers, and an organization that just put on, on an awesome event. I'm happy to be um, uh, no, meeting a lot of people from that organization and be affiliated with them in, in, in a, a small way, and and to be able to share my message with people like you and others. Um, but th- but that is exactly what we need. We need small organizations that are all coming together and fighting the same fight, you know, and I'm seeing that. So um, if if Operation Freedom of Choice is not something that someone could um, be affiliated with for whatever reason, uh, because it's not close enough or, or whatever the case is, is um, there's something out there. Maybe you'd be the person. Maybe you're the person to start that. And, and that's what I would encourage others. If you can't find somebody locally or something that fits your thoughts, you should start your own. And we all fight the same fight. So right now, like I said, is we have the um, Australians, I'm gonna mess this up, uh, Freedom Alliance, I believe it is, of Australians, Freedom Alliance, I believe. And we have all uh, come together and uh, started working together to fight the same thing. We're gonna try to get as much help over to Australia uh, because what's going on over there is is just insane. I didn't know, I knew it was bad, but I didn't realize how bad it was until I started talking. Uh, men and women of yes we will definitely keep australia in our prayers for sure um a lot of the videos that are coming out of there are like you said insane it is kind of scary actually it's all being silenced but yeah if people want to get a hold of me i'm on telegram um i don't even know the handle over there (laughs) i think i saw you florida Um, freedom alliance you said uh, I'm, I'm on Florida Freedom Alliance, yes, but I can. Uh, I'm on there as um, uh, at at Chief underscore Davis. Um, that's my handle. I guess that's how you follow it. Awesome. Well, thanks, <laughs> Stephen. Well, have a blessed day. Thank you again so much for your time. I appreciate you and all you're doing for the medical freedom community. And um, I will post the link to the website in the show notes, and that way, if you guys want to get a hold of Stephen or get involved in this organization, um, you can find it there. So thanks again, guys. And we'll see you on the next episode. Hey guys, thanks so much for watching today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Please make sure to like and subscribe to this channel and hit the little notification bell so you know every time I post something new. Of course, check out Peace Love t-shirts as well. That's where you can get all of your All My Favorite People merch. And I'd love it if you also left me a review. Thanks for tuning in and I hope to see you next time. I will make your name famous from now on so people will praise you forever and ever. Psalm 45, 17. If you liked today's episode and want more info, check out lifejesusstyle.com and hashtag lifejesusstyle on social media.